Well, welcome to the Speak With People podcast. My name is Jason Reitz, and I'm so excited that you are joining us today. We believe that healthy communication is oxygen for our relationships and our leadership, and we hope that this time today challenges you, encourages you, inspires you to choose to communicate in healthy ways, whether you communicate one-on-one, to a team, from a stage, or from behind a screen. When you do choose to communicate in healthy ways, you really will change your world for the better. Well, we are in a series called Becoming Great at Your Craft, and if you're someone who communicates regularly, even if it's just giving updates to your team at work, or you do communicate regularly, you stand in front of people, you want to keep growing in your craft. You want to keep becoming better. And so if you missed week one with Grant Baldwin from the Speakers Lab, please head back, listen to that, watch that. But you are in for a treat today for week two, because at any at any point when we communicate, we're going to get to a place where we're going to feel the pressure of how we're going to be able to do, how we're going to perform, how we're going to communicate, what they're going to hear. And so today we're going to dive into what do we do when we have that pressure, how do we handle the pressure? How do we handle the feedback that will come to us, whether we ask for it or we don't? How do we turn that critique into gold? And what about when people start telling you what to do? Just minutes before, the other people recording this podcast told me to move my microphone in a certain way and not to fidget. And so you've got to be able to learn how to be able to do that. Well, today, I'm so excited to be joined by Kevin Stamper. Kevin is just a phenomenal communicator, phenomenal speaker. He's becoming a phenomenal friend. He was uh, a speaker at our first speakers conference. The list just goes on and on. Kevin, welcome to the Speak With People podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This will be a lot of fun. I love it. Well, since we first started meeting, I mean, just about a year ago yeah. in Panera Bread, I have learned so much from you, and I, I'm just really appreciative of your relationship and what you've done for Speak With People, and so thanks. Well, I hope that. it's like you've learned like good things, not like what not to do, because you can learn both things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, hey, before we go into the questions, could you just give us... You know, give our listeners a little bit about your story, who you are, what you do, your family, all that kind of sure, stuff. Sure, yeah. So I have been, I grew up in kind of the church world. That's kind of what my background was work-wise. And so my wife and I, we got married with her saying, I'll never marry a pastor. And me saying, good, I'll never be a pastor. And we both <laughs> showed God um, who was boss there. So uh, I became a pastor pretty young, moved into kind of the mega multi-site world and um, was doing that for a long time, planting you know, campuses of churches, that kind of thing. And then as that was happening, I kind of felt called to plant a church of my own that I was supposed to kind of take that step out. And what I realized is I had never preached. I'd never taught on a weekly basis. I had planted campuses of churches with somebody else on a video who was communicating. Yep. And that was my job to be yep. that person. And I was like, I should probably learn how to do that. Like, <laughs> and so I went to a club called Toastmasters. And if you've never heard of that, that's fine. It may be for the better, honestly, but it's like this cult thing where you go and you learn to speak. And I was like, I should go learn how to speak. So I went to a club and it was maybe 30 people in the room and I gave a speech and it was mediocre at best. Like it was absolutely average, totally right. forgettable. But a guy came up to me and he said, that was fantastic. And I'm sure he was lying because he wanted to get me into the club and get my dues. But he was like, that was fantastic. You should compete as a speaker. Wow. And I said, you can't compete as a speaker. And he was like, no, you totally can't. And it turns out you can. There's a whole thing on wow. it. Yeah. So it's called the World Championship of Public Speaking. And he said, if you if you win our district, if you win this area, we will send you to this competition. The top 100 speakers in the world come together and they speak there. And he said, we'll pay for it. And I was like, if you're paying for a trip, 
we're in. I'll, yeah, <laughs> I'll do whatever it takes. And so I started speaking at these competitions and I happened to just win a lot of competitions in a row. And turns out by the end of it, I was the best speaker in Florida. I was the number one speaker in the state of Florida. I didn't realize at this point that there are about 50,000 people that compete in this competition worldwide. <laughs> I thought it was just this wow. rinky dink thing right. where you know, I'm just giving just a couple stories nice. and people are laughing and it's great. Didn't know it was a big deal. Wow. So all over the world, people are competing for this. And I get to that top hundred speakers. And between that shift from being a good speaker and a good, a good speech writer to creating world-class communication, it, it's a big jump. It's, wow. it's totally different. Wow. And so what I had to do was like learn how to become a world-class communicator that yep. can communicate even across multicultural lenses. You're speaking to people all over the world and you're doing all of this. You're going to give this perfectly put together, well thought out motivational speech. That's going to happen in the time frame of seven minutes. And wow. the moment you go over wow. seven minutes and 30 seconds, you're just disqualified. It doesn't matter if you did well or bad. Uh, it just means you're out like seven 30, you're done. And so you have to get all that accomplished in seven minutes and 30 seconds. And so I, Took it seriously. I got better at my craft, took some coaching, all that kind of stuff. I ended up that year, I made it to the top 10. So in my semifinal, I had to win and get first place in the, in the 10 that I was in. In my 10 speakers, there were people that had done TED Talks. There were people that were professional speakers. There was the chief evangelism officer of a little company called Google. And he was in my 10 <laughs> And I was a little nervous and I won. I got first place in that 10, which sent me to the final 10. In that final 10, I ended up third in the world that year and was the number one speaker in America. I kept that title for about five years, considered the number one speaker in America. So that's, I mean, kind of how this all started. And then from that point, I didn't really realize the doors it was going to open. But even that night when I went to my phone, it was hot because there were Facebook messages and LinkedIn messages and emails and texts from all over the world of people wanting to find me and friend me and then hire me to come consult. And what I found is that there's so many people and organizations, and this is why you exist, that they do not know how to communicate their own story. Mm. They don't know how to share and shape a message that matters to people. Mm. And they don't know how to get great feedback loops on what is successful and unsuccessful in communication. And so I was hired as an, a consultant across the board, multiple nonprofits and for-profits and NGOs and individuals and C-suite executives and politicians that I've now worked with to create on-brand messaging and story craft, and then feedback loops that help them to understand if that message is resonating with the target audience. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's incredible. It's fun. Where was the world competition at? I, I, that year it was in Vancouver, British Columbia. Okay. Yeah, that year. Now there's been some years since then that I should have competed because they were in like Paris. I'm like, wait, <laughs> but it was, yeah, that's where it ended up being that year. That had to have been crazy. I mean, going from, hey, I'm just going to go be a part of Toastmasters <laughs> to now all of a sudden, you know, my phone is blowing up and yeah. what a journey. I wouldn't recommend it. It's it's like a lot to take in for a short amount of time, but yeah. it was, yeah, it was incredible. And the, the thing that you realize is that most people who are doing this, it is not a one-time figuring this out thing. Yeah. This is a really a, a years-long journey. The people who placed higher than I did that year in that competition, the first place winner, he had been doing the same speech for five years. Oh, my word. And he had actually won third place in the world with that speech five years before and just crafted it a little differently, 
shaped it up and then won first place with it, which they changed the rules after that. that you couldn't do that, but mm. that's what he did. The second place winner had done the same speech for 12 years. So, I mean, I just want you to think like, this isn't just a, we, we do a one-off thing and we nailed it. Right. Communication never works that way. It is an ongoing process wow. of giving the signal out to the listener, seeing if it rises above the noise and if it's, it's connecting with them and then taking feedback loops and saying, how can I make it better this time? How can I make it resonate even more? It's never a one-off wow. thing. It's a continual process. That's what communication is. Wow. That is so powerful. I mean, you think about you know the average person and they're like, who I don't want to get up in front of people mm -hmm. and speak, but almost everybody at some point has to, yeah. you know, you're at work and your boss says, Hey, you got to give a update on this report, or you got to go in and do a presentation to your kid's school or, you know, or even if you're in sales, I mean, and to be able to keep getting better, mm -hmm. one of the things that you have to learn is how to receive that feedback, mm -hmm. how to continue to you know, perform under pressure because I mean, so many people, right? The nerves of the stomach and we're sweating and the dry mouth and we don't. And that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast for this episode, because I can't imagine the pressure. I mean, you as yeah. a pastor, you know, I was a pastor for a long time. You get up and preach and you preach to hundreds of people who really don't ever experience what you do. They will never stand in front of people consistently and deliver a message, but they have all their critique in the world for you <laughs> after not, yeah. you know, ever doing it. Yeah. And so you've got it in your humility, you know, all, <laughs> all criticism is wonderful, but I just want to have this conversation about how do you keep moving when you're under pressure? What is there a moment in, in this, you know, this story or another story where, you know, it really hits you that, okay, I've, I've got to do this under pressure. And, yeah. and you had to walk through it. Yeah. I think some of the most pressure filled moments are not, maybe they're not a competition or things like that. Cause that's just about me. I would say some of the biggest ones, there's crisis communication and I consult quite a bit on that when something goes wrong or whatever. But the biggest ones for me, I speak a lot for fundraising and actually for advocacy. And so I do that. I use, and this is kind of just my bent. I love to use my voice and leverage that to speak for people who don't have quite that same voice. Right. Yeah. And so I do that for people with disabilities specifically. I've been working in that space for a long time and I really love doing that and leveraging what I've learned to do that. But I find that there's so much more writing on it cause it's not about me uh, and I want to do the best I can yes. to speak for other people without taking away their voice. My goal is not to, usurp their voice and yes. use mine instead, yes. but to elevate their story through what I've learned how to do. And, and there's a lot more pressure, especially if it's a fundraiser or something like that. I've brought into a lot of those. And there's that moment where you're saying, okay, so I'm going to give this speech. And at the end of it, I'm literally going to say, so who wants to give me a hundred thousand dollars? And I'm looking for hands. I mean, it's, it's nerve wracking, right? And yes. so you want to do your, the best you can, because it's not about you at that moment. It's about yeah. you know, the message. And the that makes so much sense. Yeah. yeah. Especially speaking up for you know, people who, who maybe can't speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's such a good, that's such a good perspective. Okay. So mm -hmm. the, you know, what are some of the common challenges that people face when they're, they are figuring out that pressure and how can, you know, what, what are the steps they can take to overcome them? Ooh, it's a journey, but <laughs> I will say one of the most important things to understand is first of all, let's, let's define pressure Yeah, because there's a difference between pressure and stress. Mm. They're not the same thing. So the best example I've ever heard of the two things is that pressure is an internal drive that you put on yourself. Yeah. Stress is something put on you by others. 
Okay, so the best yeah. example is is and this may be cheesy, but William Tell is a great example, right? Sure. So the moment where William Tell takes his son out to a field and says, I'm going to put an apple on your head and I'm going to step back and shoot that apple off of your head with this bow. Now, William Tell has pressure right. to hit that apple. Now his son has stress. Right. right? <laughs> he, he's stressed because the results are not in his hands. Right. And, and the bow is not in his hands. Right. So one of the important things is I think actually, I, I think it's great to speak under pressure. I actually think that's a good thing. Mm. I don't think it's a good thing to speak under stress. Mm. So pressure is important because it's an internal motivator Yeah, saying, I want to do the best I can with the weapon I've got in my hand. Like with the yeah. thing I've been, I've been given, I want to give it all I've got. Stress means that you're feeling like somebody else has put you up to this or onto this. That's one of the biggest misnomers, I think, in all of speech craft and all of speaking is that people will speak thinking they have to do it for somebody else, like that somebody else made me do this. Or mm. again, I had to get up in the meeting and say something or whatever it is. And when you do that, we've, we've I mentioned this at the speakers conference, but that's when you start to speak because you have to say something, wow. not because you have something to say. Right. And I know that that quote usually gets attributed, I think, to Plato. It's not his because Greek doesn't work like that. It's not. He, there's no the, the, that play on words doesn't work in Greek. But I, I mean, somebody smarter than me once said it. Not me, though. But I mean, the idea is that many of us get up to speak because we feel like we have to say something. And that's never going to be an effective way to speak. Yeah. The only way to speak in front of people is when you feel like you have something to say. You have a mission, you have a message, you have a product, you have something that you believe in and you're getting up to speak that way. And I think it's really dangerous when we do wow. it the other way because what it makes it about is it makes it about the audience and what do they think about me? How do they feel about me? Instead of making it about I, what do I have to offer them? What do I have to say to them that's going to be valuable? The best speeches are the ones and the best times you communicate are when you almost are sick of it mm. and you just can't wait to get it off your chest. Yes. Right? Like you're just burning with, I yeah. just have to say this thing because I'm tired of carrying it around. Right. I've thought about it too long and I just got to tell you something. And I kind of don't care how you receive it if I'm being honest. I just need you to hear it because I need to get it out for my sake more than for yours. And that's, I think, one of the most powerful ways to speak. And so it changes the way we view it when we see it as a pressure situation. This is me putting pressure on myself, not somebody else putting stress upon me. Wow. Wow. I don't know if Boy, that makes sense. No, that makes, that makes great sense. That, and, that, and that will certainly so help people mm -hmm. you know, remove some of that. Because I think probably, I mean, I don't know what percentage it is, but so much of it we put on ourselves. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, I can remember being a young communicator and I put so much pressure on myself because... You know, or even the stress on myself because it was like, I've got to be good. Mm -hmm. They've got to like me. I've, they've got to be funny. You know, it's got to be deep. Mm -hmm. No, just do what you, what you just talked about. Getting to that place where it's like, I've got to share this because this has the potential to change lives. It's yeah. changed my life. You got to find out about it. So let's yeah. go back kind of the beginning. Sure. How important then, okay, I'm getting stuff ready, prepared. I'm getting ready to, how important is that preparation process to all of this? Does that preparation help? you know, relieve some of that, mm -hmm. lift it up. Talk to us about that. Yeah. If you're, if you're preparing, that's important. I would say the most important thing to prepare though, is to prepare your message more than your manuscript. Mm. So think about what matters to you. Yeah. If you're getting up and speaking just because you have to, it's not going to be interesting to you. And therefore it's not interesting to anybody. 
But if you have a message and I'm talking like just a cause you care about a, a righteous anger that you have about mm. something like something that you as a discontent, like a holy discontent, that thing is what you need to speak on. And you need to think about the message of it. Like what's the mission behind it more than the manuscript. So don't get too technical right off the bat. That's not the goal there. Mm. And the best way to prepare for it is to think, what is it that's important to people? What do I want them to hear from me that matters? Then let's back up and let's manuscript it out and let's make it technical, but don't start with the technical stuff. Mm. So when you do that, I would say some of the best things you could do is, you know, one of my, one of the guys that I admire a lot as a public speaker, he says that he would take his, his speeches out to his backyard. And he said, I have this row of like bushes just across the back fence. And I would just go out there and project as loudly as I could going through my speech in, in, in just my backyard. And I looked crazy. He was like, I know my neighbors thought I was nuts, but I would just recite the speech and try to get through it. And he said, now one of the goals is you never, again, when you mess up, never go back. So if you mess up, you don't get the luxury of starting over again. Just keep fighting through it. Just keep fighting through that mm. and continue to like make sure, because if you're on stage in front of people, you don't get a chance to start over. Right. There's, you don't, you don't get a you redo. You can't call a do over. Yeah. You're not like, well, I'll take the mole again and <laughs> let's take it from the top, everybody. And you, know, right. you don't get to do that. You have to start from where you were. So just keep going, push through it. And actually what will happen is many times, if you know your message, you're going to still end up in the right spots. Mm. Because it may not be the manuscript, but it's the message that you're trying to get across and things may get moved around and you might find that there's things that shift as you get through that. This specific guy, he won the world champion of public, championship of public speaking and he, in his speech, he messed up. He said three different times, got things out of order. And he said, but I just kept going because I was so used to just keep, just keep going. Yep. And I knew where I wanted to land the audience. I knew what I wanted them to hear from me. He won with that speech that was messed up three times. And he said, actually, when I heard it back, I liked the speech more. It was a stronger speech. Wow. And he said, but it, I knew where I was going. I knew where I wanted to get them. Yeah. So I think sometimes we get too hung up on mechanics yeah. and we're losing the medium for the message yep. and we can't do that. And so, yeah, if you're practicing, just practice it over and yeah. over again, but drive towards that message. Mm. Don't get hung up on the, on the mechanics of it. So when you're, you're practicing your seven minutes mm -hmm. for that, you know, were there moments where you went to people and said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this seven minutes and then I need, you know, I need all your feedback right now, <laughs> you know? I mean, were, were there those moments and what, what were some of those like? Oh goodness. Yeah. I did that a lot. Yeah. So actually my first, so when I first won this district and I know this sounds like the hunger games, doesn't it? Like I won this district, <laughs> I had to go to a bigger competition, <laughs> strung out Woody Harrelson comes out to coach me along the way or whatever. And I won this district here in, in this area of Florida. And I'll never actually forget the, the, the president of this chapter came to me right after. And the first thing she said to me, she said, congratulations. She said, be careful who you listen to. Mm. And I was like, what does that mean? I didn't even know what that, it felt very cryptic. And right. like, what does that mean? <laughs> she said, be careful who you listen to. And she was, I think, trying to warn me that there are going to be good critics and bad critics. There are critics who are critics for critics sake. And there's yeah. critics who are critics for your sake. Mm. They're not the same thing. Some people are just critics for critics sake. And some people are critics for your sake. You want people who are there for your sake to help you out. And so I would go and I would give the same speeches at clubs all over the place just to get reps in, keep trying it out and then get feedback. And for a long time, I think that was helpful 
towards the end, I actually found it to be detrimental. Mm. So again, not everybody's there for your sake. And I had to find the people that I trusted. And actually towards the end, I had a world champion public speaker who happened to be here in the Clearwater area. He's a Scientologist. And so he was here visiting and he came and listened to me speak. And he said, this is, he told me, he said, you're actually more naturally gifted than anybody I've ever coached. You've got a lot of abilities here. There's some things I would probably clean up, but he said, I'm not even going to tell you what to do. And he said, because, and probably maybe because I didn't pay him, but part of it was also, he said, at this point I am coaching out of those hundred speakers that were the top hundred speakers in the, in the world. He was coaching, I think, 18 of them. Wow. And he said, at this point, it's so close to the competition that my main job as a coach is actually to get you up off the floor because you've been so beaten down. Right. (laughs) And he was like, I just need to remind you that you're doing something right. You are smart enough. (laughs) You are good enough. (laughs) God darn it. People like you. Yeah. uh, I mean, yeah. Use kind. Use small. Yep. Use important. I mean, it was like You got to have those moments. You're my guy. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, I don't even want to critique you. So yes, I would bring people together and people who had been there before. And I'll never forget. There was one night specifically I brought together like a big group of people who had been to never that final 10, but like to the top hundred speakers. I brought them together here in Tampa. We got together and I came in and I had just reworked all my speeches Mm. and which was a bad idea. And I had just done some work on them and I came in. I, I'm not gonna lie. I failed. Like it was bad, but I had a friend with me who was a guy I trust like, vehemently trust. And he is the right critic. He's a good critic. He's a critic for my sake. And he had gone with me to many of these things. He's a former CIA operative. He's a very (laughs) intelligent guy. And he said, I, I, he would have me leave the room after each speech. I would walk out of the room and he would look at the room and he would say, okay, give me all the pros and cons to what you just heard. And it was a white, like flipboard. And I think after my first speech, there were three pages (laughs) of negative things, cons, Wow. And there was one, not page, one <laughs> bullet point of things that were good about the speech. Uh-huh. That was it. Wow. And he actually, on my behalf, I was out of the room at this point. Wow. He stopped the room. He said, guys, first of all, all of you in this room this year, Kevin beat you all hmm. at this competition. So he's doing something right. You guys aren't going back to the world stage. He is. So he's doing something right. And what's going to happen if we continue to critique at this level is he's going to give up the things that are making his speech great Wow! to try to make yeah. up for things that are not. And you're going to throw away things that have made this speech fantastic. I'll never forget. There was an argument. This is totally a tangent, but like there was an argument. There's a part in the speech in the, in the speech I was doing where my son, it's a story about my son being born. And he wasn't breathing. He wasn't getting oxygen. And the, and they, the doctor had to run in and literally like tell my wife, you got five pushes to get him out. We got to get him out. And at the end of that time, the last push, he had to go get this utensil, this instrument. There was like a plunger. It looked like a baby plunger. That's what it looked like. Wow. Stuck it on my son's head and pulls him out. And I used the term baby plunger. I think is what I used it. And it looks like a plunger stuck in my son's head. And I'll never forget. There was a, at least a 15 minute conversation in that room about, is that the right word? And what's the official word for this utensil? And should he be using the official word for it? And, and it sounds too graphic to say plunger. And it's, and it was like, guys, I mean, it was so exhausting. And finally, again, this guy was like, uh, my, my friend Andy was like, you cannot keep doing this. Right. Like he's a dad. First of all, he doesn't know the medical term for it. 
He was just seeing it as a baby plunger. That's what it was. I, I, that speech won. It did fine. But it's just one of those things where we can get so stuck on those things. So if you're ever going to take feedback across the board, feedback is not only a negative thing. Mm. It has to have positive yes. things. Yes. You cannot just look at it. What we're ten, my tendency, I'll just speak for myself, but I think the American culture tendency is to only say that feedback is here's all the negative things that we need to improve. Yep. That is not true. The positive things will be thrown out. You'll be throwing the baby out with the baby plunger if you do it that way, because you cannot give up the things that made you, you right. The positive right. part of what you brought to the table. Otherwise it's going to be very vanilla. Yep. And you're going to have nothing about it that stands out to anybody wow. or resonates with anybody. Wow. So if you're going to have feedback loops and you should, uh, and we can talk about how to do that and whatever, but you need to have feedback loops, but they cannot only be focused on the negative. They have to have positive things attached. That's so good. Every team I've led, we've always done the strat up, right, wrong, missing, confusing. And I got pushback once with a team member who was like, why do we got to talk about the rights? Like, mm. why do we got to, because we could center so much on the negatives that we're going to lose sight of. Mm -hmm. Hey, there's some stuff that really happened really well. And we need to take a second to optimize those, mm -hmm. celebrate those before we get to, you know, the wrongs and then the missings and the confusings. That's so important. I found too, you know, everybody seems to be a critic sometimes, yeah. especially now that we're communicating more and more online mm. and then people are just flooding the comments. So whether you're speaking in front of people, you're speaking from behind a screen, you know, sometimes those moments of anxiety are going to start coming from those, you know, those comments or, you know, people wanting to butt in or even well intentions. So how have you found some techniques to help, you know, deal with those anxiety waves when they come, you know, when it's like they want to attack your whole system and shut you down. Yeah. There's, I mean, it's, it's all kinds of fun, isn't it? And, and, and that's just a reality. If you're going to communicate, you're going to have feedback loops. The, one of the biggest goals is to see them as feedback loops. Mm. Don't see them as neg negative or positive criticism necessarily. I think that word has its own connotations in all of communication. There's always a feedback loop. Yep. Communication doesn't is not true communication until I've landed the message. And I know that I landed the message. So if you see it as a feedback loop, if this is resonating or it's not, that is wildly helpful to understanding if it actually is valuable or not. Um, the other thing is I would say your, your message matters mm. and you got to come back to that sometimes. Just remind yourself like what I'm saying, I'm saying it, not because again, not because like I'm bored, not because I'm just uh, trying to stick something out online. Cause if you are, you're going to get eaten alive by the way. Yeah. And you should, you, right. you really, you should. But if you're doing this because you have a message that matters to you, come back to that over and over again. Every time I spoke, I, I had to do the same speech many, many times. It wasn't like I did it once. Every time I spoke, I knew I was going to get ripped apart. Like mm -hmm. I knew it. Yeah. But I would, before I went out to speak, um, the story, for instance, the one about my son being born, or I told another, there's no speech about my daughter. I would literally pull out my phone. Um, and I would look at pictures of my son mm. before I would go speak. Yeah. And I would remind myself, like, I'm so fortunate to have this little boy who's my son and I get to be his father. And this moment was so traumatic, but I'm so grateful for where we are now and how important that is to me. Remind yourself of that yeah. message. Yeah. Go back to it. Wow. And you got to do that over and over again to remind yourself your message matters. Wow. That's so powerful. What about those moments where, you know, you haven't got there yet and you're, you're composed, you're starting to lose your composure. 
And so someone comes up to you and they're just, you know, you, you didn't do this and you should have done that. And I can't believe you said that. Mm. How do you, you know, maintain your composure under that pressure sometimes? Yeah. So the first thing is always breathe, like always breathe. Yes. Um, just take a breath. And, and that's even true before you speak, by the way. If, if you're about to speak, number one thing you can do, take a huge breath launch into your first line, but make sure you breathe first. And it just, it matters. So always breathe first. And I could, we could talk about conflict resolution all day. I think there's a ton to get into. (laughs) One of the best things to do in, and I would recommend this to any speaker that this is possible for, I'm not saying it's always possible digitally, but if you are in a space where you can always try to meet your audience before you go to the stage. Mm. So like walk the room, meet a couple people, it actually reduces your anxiety first. This is factual. There's studies behind it that by meeting your audience, you see them not as a big mob of people, but as individuals. Wow. And then you start to think I have allies. Like you're starting to already create connection. So when you do go up on stage, you're like, oh, I, again, it's not just a mass of people yep. staring at me. These are actual humans and I've already fostered some relationship with them. So do it beforehand. That's preventative from when that moment's going to happen. Go ahead and start to create allies in the audience as soon as you can. Those things matter so much. And if you go back into, and we could talk about this another day, but if you look at the rhetoric and the things that really matter for people, the audience is the most important. They're, they're, they're what's taking in the message, right? They're most important and you've got to meet them where they are. And so meet them beforehand, meet them, get to know them, have as many allies as you can before you even hit the stage. Oh, that's so important. It's so yeah. important, especially if you learn a couple of names mm-hmm. and then if it lends itself to, you know, a moment in a story where you're like, yeah, Alice and I just talked about this beforehand and people are like, oh wow, this, you know, this person. Well, and, and by Alice being the one that you talk about, they assume Alice is part of us. Right. So he's talking to us, right? right. It, it just, right. It, it really breaks down that barrier between stage and audience. And that kind of speaks to the mindset of a speaker because I mean, our thoughts and our mind can really mess with us. And especially before, if you're nervous and you're like, I don't know what to say and all these things are, how do you get, how do you get to a place where you've got that healthy mindset? So, you know, your own thoughts aren't going to mess you up before you even start. Oh goodness. Yeah. So, so you got to practice, um, and practice on people. Um, so I practice matters. It's a muscle and it it really is. This whole thing is a muscle that you've got to develop, but I even think practicing those things, not when you're on a stage, but practicing them on people that you're in contact with. So if you have like a story, a mission, a message, whatever it is that you're trying to get across, that shouldn't just be happening on the stage. That should happen with almost every individual you come in contact with. Mm. In fact, you should almost be workshopping that on people near you all the time. If I have a story I think is good or funny or whatever, I will try it many places. I always wonder like, this is just, again, a tangent. Jesus, great orator. We know, right? I always wonder like how many times he tried things out where he's like, Hey guys, I got this idea. It's about, <laughs> it's about a good Philistine. And they were like, what about a Samaritan? He's like, good Samaritan. I like it. Okay. Let's talk good Samaritan. Okay. And he's like workshopping these. I don't think he just told the story once. Right. I think he told these stories multiple times. He's workshopping them because eventually it's going to become beautiful. It's going to be I've perfect. I've never right? thought about that. That's hilarious. Yeah. I can't imagine awesome. he just knocked it out of the park the first time he's, he's working out, you know, all the kinks. Right. And so I always, I always think like for us, we have to like learn how to do that and we have to just workshop that over and over again. You'll see reactions as you go through it. And those are much less costly. So if I screw up the story right now between you and I, okay. Yeah. If, and, and, and I can try to rework it before I talk to the next person. But if I do that from a stage, yeah. Oh boy. I don't want to bomb there. Right. Right. It's different. So let me try it in just everyday conversation. That'll help. 
Well, speaking of our tangent, you should definitely email the chosen producers about that. <laughs> throw in some, <laughs> throw in some conversations. Yeah, yeah see know. if Jesus just workshopping these stories. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's worth a shot. I love that. So, uh, we get this critique, we get this feedback, mm-hmm. you know, how do we get to the place where we can start seeing it really as gold, mm-hmm. you know, because if we don't accept any of it and we just kind of go off our own thoughts or, you know, if we go off our love, our spouse or someone who's really close to us and they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, it was good, you know, like, okay, but how can I, how can I get to a place where I'm like, okay, this is, even if it's really tough to, to hear, how can I view this as gold because this is going to help me improve yeah. in the long run. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, there's so much to that, but listening, I mean, you have to, yeah. So again, if we can see it as, as and again, if you're with the right people, they're going to bring it to you in a way where they want it to be constructive. And when you can see it as a feedback loop and you can say, this is just somebody giving me feedback, then you can start to parse out what are the pros and cons of that. So the positives, the negatives, and then start to see the gold within it. Now, I think for me, like in my case, many people poured into that and there were times where I'm not going to lie to you. I was, I was mad. Like people mm. would tell me you need to change this or that. I, I, one of the speeches I wrote, I think it was a thousand words. And I sent it to a guy who was a world champion speaker. He sent it back to me and he had removed like 300 words or wow. something. And he was like, he said, not all of this is pointing to your end goal. And I was so mad. I was like, <laughs> I worked so hard on those words, you know? <laughs> and he was, and honestly he was right. Like he was right. And I had to kind of go, okay, I got to get over some ego here and I got to learn what's actually going to matter. So for many of us, I think, I think ego is the first thing that's going to be our enemy. It's not others. Ego is always the first enemy. And so being able to say, okay, what can I set aside of myself to learn? And then having people who care about me be the ones that speak into this, start to take that in and then start to adapt to those strategies. Nobody does this in a vacuum. There's Mm. no communicator that gets better in a vacuum. It's just not possible. The whole point is to speak to an audience and get that feedback from them. And once that feedback comes in, if you're not adapting to it, you're, you're going to fail over and over and over again, and you're never going to succeed with that audience. You have to be willing to listen to them. Wow. That's the whole point. So good. Yeah. That's so so good. I found too, at times, you know, and my mom's a psychologist, so she taught me the actual psychological term. I can't remember it. Maybe <laughs> cognitive something or something. Yeah. But at times, you know, my mind, I'll start focusing on things, and then it just becomes the thing. Yeah. And then it affects everything. And then I have to wake up and go, wait a minute. Yeah. There are so many more important things. So this feedback, this critique that I'm getting from someone, it's giving me such this negative reaction. You know what? I, I can't use all of that energy on that because mm-hmm. I've got to use the energy over here. Yeah. I'm going to take it for what it's worth. And, you know, do the best. So as we kind of wrap up this conversation, I mean, we could talk forever about this. This is, I mean, so good. And this will, this is going to help so many of our listeners as you think about becoming great in your craft, you know, a communicator speaker who wants to continue to grow. Is there anything else you would, I mean, you've given us so much. I've taken a page of notes for Pete's sakes, but anything else that's just, you know, risen to the top, so pertinent that you would say, Hey, you've got to make sure you grab hold of, of these things. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I have any other advice besides like any speaker out there. Let me just start by saying you're better than you think you are. Mm. You just are. You're better than you think you are. So many people just assume the worst about themselves in this and they just assume that it's not their thing. You're better than you think. I've, I've actually never met a speaker who thought they were bad 
and were worse than they thought they were. Now right. I've met speakers who were thought they were good and they were worse than they thought they were, <laughs> but I've never met a speaker who said, I'm not good at this. This isn't my thing. And they were worse than they thought they were instantly. They're better than they think they are. So I, I think that that's one of the most important things. Again, secondly, just do you be you. Yeah. You can't be somebody else. Don't try to be somebody else on this. Your mission and your message is what matters. And you have to speak to that. Don't be vanilla. Don't try to take off all the rough edges. Don't take out all the toppings. You need to speak to what you know how to speak to in the way that you know how to speak about it. So don't give up the message. Don't throw out the things just because you're trying to please everybody when you know what your message is and always put that mission first, put your mm -hmm. mission before your message. And I promise you, you'll speak because you have something to say, not because you have to say something. So I think I'd wrap it up with, with those wow. thoughts. I don't know. No, that's powerful. I'm, I'm thinking in my head, you've given us so many like tweetable, <laughs> tweetable <laughs> moments. Like this is, this is good stuff. Before we let you go and let our, our listeners kind of get to know you, I'm going to ask a couple rapid fire questions, Okay. but who are some of your, you know, favorite speakers? Like they're your go-to. You're like, Oh man, I love to, I love to turn, oh. the, turn on those YouTube talks or I'm, I'm not good at that. I, I love comedians. Like I yeah. love, I love watching comedians. Yeah. And anyone, anyone right now that you're like, well, oh, one man. of my favorites is, I don't know if you're familiar with Mike Birbiglia. I love mm -hmm. Mike Birbiglia. He's a storyteller and he does these one man shows where he really is just telling a story for about an hour <laughs> and it has this whole, it's like set pieces and weird stuff going on. I think it's amazing that he can captivate with a story. And if you are a storyteller, by the way, I think he's one of the best at it. He mm. puts all the threads together. He creates all the beats of a great story. And Mike Birbiglia is one of my favorites, but I mean, like I'm going, I mean, what, uh, this week I'm going to go see Brian Regan. We just saw Nate Bergazzi. I mean, like all these guys, right. They're just, I mean, anybody, whenever, if Seinfeld's anywhere within like the country from me, I will go see him. <laughs> uh, people like that, you know, cause you watch these guys they are so polished and they can get you to listen to them for an hour and a half as they talk about nothing, right? Not a single thing of value. Right. And you walk away completely enthralled for some, it doesn't yep. make sense. And especially in a viral culture, right. it does not make sense that it works. And that's why they're so talented. So I'll, I'll never forget the first Brian Regan CD I heard. Like I'm <laughs> the, I'll just never forget it. You know, and he does the whole YouTube bit and you're like, Oh my yes. goodness. It's yes. genius. Yes. You know, yeah. Brian, what do you call that? Uh, you know, the big yes. yellow one is the sun. Like you just like, <laughs> He's that so story you're just yes. taking and then Nate Bargatze I mean like oh he's so good I mean he? it's just yeah his last special I'm yeah. like he, you're right he just talked for an hour about yeah nothing you know, of importance no. nothing do you walk away from and you're like wow I took something away from that it's no value at all so I mean there's TED speakers there's people like that yeah and I, I watch that stuff but I really enjoy watching comedians and people yeah. like that because they have a different method and they're and and, and never ever assume that what they're doing is not disciplined, right? It's wildly disciplined right. and it takes so much work to become great at it. Right. And so everything they do, if you were to take it apart and someday maybe we will, the staging and the way their dynamics work and everything, Oh, they're so on top of it. So I so love good. watching that stuff. Yeah. Uh, is there any podcast that you, you enjoy either for your, your growth or just for, you know, kind of guilty pleasure? <laughs> That's a lot of guilty pleasure ones, but uh, they usually have somebody getting murdered in them or something like it's a whole problem. Uh, I love, yeah, Keith Morrison and Dateline. Like he's, I don't know, 700 years old. I love listening to that guy tell a story. Story-wise, I love listening. I mean, This American Life obviously is like one of the big ones mm. on Storycraft. So good at telling a story, just creating narratives. There's another one that I used to listen to a lot when I was really developing Storycraft for even brands and stuff. But the storytelling of Snap Judgment, if you're familiar mm. with that one, it's really, uh, it's not always 
perfect, but they really try to take the art of story craft to another level and they do a great job of creating those beats within it. So if you get a chance to listen to that one, it's, it's great for those reasons. And again, there's a ton that I listen to on my own that, um, that have nothing to do with any yeah. work or whatever, but those it. are ones that those are great. I love for storytelling. We'll tag those in the show notes. I had another question here, but I'm just going to, I'm going to throw you a curveball. Okay. Because you, you just experienced the Taylor Swift <laughs> concert. So was there a song during the concert that you're like, this is the one that connected most with me, you know? Like oh I, man. Oh, my daughter cried like through the whole thing. So she, <laughs> she was just like the moment Taylor Swift comes out to the moment it's over. She's just bawling and having a whole, wow. like, I don't know, spiritual experience that I was <laughs> not, I didn't know she had that in her. I didn't know. So it was a whole experience for me to watch her more than it was the show. But, uh, yeah, there were some things, again, every bit of it was just so well crafted. And again, if you think about it in presentation terms, nothing in this is not in place. It right. is a story right. from start to finish, and she's telling you the story. Your brain's looking for that, and it's creating narratives, and they're giving you the narratives you need. And so as I, as I was watching it, there were some moments where I was like, man, what they're setting up here is just so brilliant. She's obviously a storyteller in song, right? right. She does that on her own. But um, I loved watching some of the stage pieces come together. And so as I was, there was one... Um, song where in the music video they take these baseball bats and they start hitting a car and they start breaking windows in the car well the stage rose up and there were screens on the side of the stage and it was the car and it was digital and they have these big like neon baseball bats so you can see them throughout the audience and they're hitting it and the screen is actually the the it's reacting. So the car is actually being beaten up and the whole thing's actually, it's happening like right in front of you. And I was like, this is, it's unbelievable. It's amazing that this is all coming together. And they're telling the story of her being mad at somebody. It's a bad blood situation, which I think is about her and Katy Perry, which I learned that while I was there. There's (laughs) so much stuff I was learning that I was not prepared for. And if we could do the uh, Taylor Swift podcast later, if you All want right. to, apparently, because I, I learned a lot about Swifties. So yeah, it was it was incredible, incredible to watch. Wow. That might be a great episode just about how Taylor Swift tells stories. Yeah, like oh, just her storytelling does. ability. That'd yeah, be great, absolutely. Well, Kevin, I mean, seriously, thank you for joining us. Before I let you go, is there somewhere online we could point people to, or where they can find more? Yeah, you can just find me on social media, Kevin Stamper, pretty much across the board. <laughs> One word, Kevin Stamper. All social media channels have that, and you can find me there. I'm happy to help speakers however I can. I still consult a lot with individuals, and so I'm happy to do that, but obviously get connected with Jason, do some coaching here. This is a muscle, and it just it gets better and better the more you use it, and so I would just encourage you to keep practicing mm-hmm. getting better at that. That's good. Well, thank you, Kevin. I mean, I, I, I'm not just trying to blow smoke, but every time that I have a conversation with you, I leave with... You know, so much insight, so much, you know, just like motivation to get better. And so I just can't thank you enough. Appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you again for joining us on this week's episode of the Speak With People podcast. I hope you're enjoying the series, becoming greater, uh, great at your craft. We've got a couple of uh, phenomenal weeks coming up where we interview some amazing leaders. Again, before you leave, I just want to remind you, we have a community group that if you're looking to continue to grow and invest in yourself as a communicator, just head to Facebook, type in Speak With People Community Group, and there are hundreds of us who every single week we're looking at different stories and taking quizzes and looking at different videos just so we can become a more effective communicator. And then like Kevin talked about, if you are interested in coaching, just head to speakwithpeople.com slash coaching. 
we offer a time where you can get some public speaking coaching or leadership communication coaching. And so how can you become a more effective, empathetic, captivating communicator? Well, again, this podcast exists because our words matter and we believe healthy communication is oxygen for our relationships and leadership. So whether you communicate one-on-one to a team from a stage or from behind the screen, we hope that this time encouraged you, challenged you, inspired you to communicate in healthy ways because when you choose the right words, you really will change your world. Thanks again. And we'll see you next week on the Speak With People podcast.